everyone. Welcome to another episode of Real Talk with Teddy and Lisa. My name is Teddy Parsons, and who are you? I'm so happy you asked. My name is Lisa Allen Coast, and we are so excited that you're joining us today. Okay, for those joining us for the first time, Real Talk with Teddy and Lisa is the cheaper, budgeted version of Live with Kelly and Ryan. Yes, we run on a low budget here. So my friend, do you want to tell our listeners who our special guest is today? I would be honored. On today's podcast, we welcome our special guest, Steve Japinga, the Vice President of Public Affairs at the Lansing Regional Chamber of Commerce, located here in Lansing, Michigan. Good morning, Steve. How are you? I'm well, Teddy, Lisa. Good morning. It's so great to be with you guys. Yes, thank you. We're so happy to have you here and welcome again. And thank you for joining us today on the podcast. So who is Steve and what should our listeners need to know about you? Oh, gosh. Uh, Where do you want to begin? Um, You know, who who am I, I guess? It's uh, it's like Les Miserables, right? Like, who am I? Uh, but, uh, Steve Jappinga, I'm from, uh, East Lansing. I'm a townie, so I didn't go very far. Uh, yeah, grew up in East Lansing, uh, the Pinecrest neighborhood, uh, went to, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas in East Lansing, then Lansing Catholic for high school, uh, went across, uh, um, Grand River to Michigan State University and, um, stayed here ever since and just been working uh, for quite some time kind of in the government affairs, public affairs, uh, political um, kind of industry realm uh, since I was uh, 18, starting my first job in the uh, Michigan uh, House of Representatives. So um, that's a little bit about me. We can, I know we can go into a little bit more, but uh, I'm, I'm proud to be a townie. Um, it's awesome. Uh, to, uh, to be around here and, and stay here. Um, and it's great to see so many new people coming into to Lansing, the region. Uh, but there are a lot of folks uh, like myself that, uh, that stuck around and are working here. And it's just, uh, um, I'm still very close with a lot of my friends that I went to elementary with that are here. And it's just, it's really cool um, to just be here and continuing to work. Well, thanks for sharing that. And, you know, we're going to uh, put all that on the Lance uh, about you on the Lansing Chamber under the episode narrative for today's podcast so people can find it there. But I want to get right into this, Steve. I understand that the Lansing Chamber recently partnered with LEAP and several other local business businesses and educators in the region to create this really cool thing called the First State of the Lansing Region Benchmarking Report. And can you tell us more about that? Sure. So, you know, earlier, uh, this is actually kind of pre-COVID too, but, um, you know, I think here, you know, growing up here, um, you know, I think sometimes we're a little hard on ourselves. Uh, We always want to look to other cities that we may visit. Um, You know, going from Michigan State, a lot of people head to Chicago. You know, I have siblings that live in uh, Denver, Colorado now. so it was important for us when we were kind of looking at this from the, from the chamber, but also the Lansing Economic Area Partnership. You know, we wanted to partner together and, and put together this report. So where are we as a region? Where are our strengths? Where are our uh, weaknesses? And when I say weaknesses, probably areas of opportunity where we really need to focus on. But really being able to have 
specific benchmarks, collecting that data, and then really important is just comparing us uh, to our peer regions uh, throughout the Midwest. We have some in the north, uh, northeast, the south, but really making sure that we were uh, um, doing this right so we can have that report that we can, again, benchmark uh, where we are now and, um, again, areas where we're really strong and then areas where we need to do some work. So we, we have that now. And uh, uh, I would, I guess I would say the easy part is doing a report because a lot of times everyone does a report and you put it up on the shelf and it just sits there and collects dust. Now it's how do we, how do we move forward on this and, and put together uh, really a, a plan on how we're going to uh, uh, tackle some of these areas of opportunity, which we have found in the report uh, that we do need to work on. And then how do we continue to just strengthen those areas that we're doing really well? So really excited to have this out, but now the tough work happens on how are we going to get this done and move that needle on a lot of these different areas uh, within the report. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Uh, thanks so much for sharing that information. Uh, we'll be sure to include a link for the Lansing Regional Benchmarking Report uh, with today's episode narrative. So Steve, in your opinion, how does the Lansing region stack up to other peer regions around the U.S.? What did you guys find in this report? Yeah, so we, uh, we looked at, um, again, 11 peer regions. So if you think of what we were really looking for is the state capitals that have a major research university. Um, so we looked at, you know, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Madison, Des Moines, Nashville, Greenville, and uh, uh, South Carolina, Durham, uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Hartford, Connecticut, Columbus, Indianapolis, and of course our uh, um, our neighbors uh, to the west, Grand Rapids, and then uh, that little town uh, uh, 60 miles away from us, Ann Arbor. But what we found was is that, um, you know, I, I guess I'll go into kind of the areas of strength and where we are. We have a really high uh, Gen Z population, which is awesome. So we got a lot of young folks here, um, you know, school looking to uh, enter the workforce. We also have a, um, you know, we've seen a major growth in our kind of medium uh, household income, which is always good. I mean, there's a lot going on uh, right now, um, obviously in the housing market with all these houses selling, but it's just also good to see that we are seeing some growth in that the income here in our region. Uh, we have low housing costs. So, you know, affordability is good. And, you know, affordability doesn't always mean cheap. I think our dollar uh, goes a lot longer here. I got a, my wife and I live in the West Side neighborhood in, in downtown Lansing. We live in a almost a hundred year old brick home that uh, a foreman from Ari Olds uh, lived in. And it's just a beautiful house, uh, you know, a couple blocks away from where we work in our offices. Uh, but, you know, our dollar goes a lot longer here and the housing stock um, is very affordable where you can live um, really close to where you work. I know that we're kind of COVID time, so we, you can kind of work anywhere, but also um, the housing costs, we, were, uh, we have an area of strength there. We also are seeing uh, a major growth in just STEM degrees uh, awarded in that science, technology, engineering and math. Um, obviously, we have an amazing uh, university here. Our kind of research, our expenditures uh, within that uh, research university at Michigan State University, but we also have uh, our you know community college. I actually went to a, 
uh, before Michigan State. I know I didn't bring this up, but I went to LCC for two years so I could uh, do all my kind of the the, the recre, uh, the the undergrad type, the math, science at LCC, save some money and then transfer to Michigan State. But we have some great, great community college, great research uh, university. Um, I can go into the kind of the areas of opportunity, but um, we have a lot of there's a lot, just a lot of strength here. And it's good to see that because I think, again, kind of going back to my comment about, um, you know, we have a lot of pride here, but I think sometimes we also don't, you know, we're kind of, we're, we're hard on ourselves, but there's a lot of areas here that we are doing very well on and we should be proud of. And we need to continue um, to look at those areas and how we can uh, uh, strengthen uh, several of those different areas within the report. Steve, how do you think, uh, COVID has affected all of this. I mean, you know, we've got to ask that because it's been such a such a change and a shift. Well, you mentioned office locations and things like that. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and how you think it impacts this report and the area. Uh, sure. You know what? Great question. So, you know, we were a couple couple years ago. We were down. Uh, um, I went with my uh, our, my boss Tim Damon, um, our board chair Wendy Hamilton, who's the TechSmith CEO. We went down to Indianapolis to the Indy uh, Regional Chamber of Commerce to talk with them about talent and workforce development, some of the things that they're doing there with their regional government. Um, but it was interesting because we were talking to the CEO at the Indy Regional Chamber, and he's like, man, Lansing, you know, he knows Lansing very well, East Lansing, Michigan State. He's like, you, you guys have, you know, these, these three areas where if you look back at the recession, you know, we had state government. Uh, we have these uh, Michigan State University, we have General Motors, we have this uh, uh, thriving insurance sector. But now kind of, you know, fast forward to, to COVID, uh, what, are we all, uh, what are we all talking about uh, right now with kind of the downtown Lansing, um, the businesses that are hurting, uh, some of those neighborhoods, it's state government. So there's this big shift now on, yeah, working from home, what's this going to look like for state government? Uh, so that has been a huge concern that we've been working on, uh, not only at the chamber, but with our partners at uh, LEAP, uh, the city of Lansing with Mayor Shore, and of course, uh, Governor Whitmer, who is from here. Uh, so, you know, state government plays a huge role. It's a huge um, employer in our region. And there's a lot of property downtown. Um, you know, a lot of those workers, uh, obviously head down to Washington Square and other places to to hit up uh, uh, the, the business businesses down there for lunch and uh, or if they're going into Kaza checks or whatever it may be. So we're really working now on how we can, uh, I guess, the focus and when we look at this report is how we grow our population. One way we're trying to do that downtown is how do we convert these state office buildings? Um, and it's not all the ones kind of west of the capital that you think of kind of the they look like to me and this is my joke kind of very soviet era uh state government buildings but there's a uh, several buildings downtown uh, on washington a couple other streets grand where the state is uh um not uh continuing those leases so how do we do a um how do we convert uh those office offices into residential and i think we're seeing that now um, we're making a big push with the state on doing this. I'm looking at some dollars that can go to help uh, make this transition because the way we're going to be able to kind of continue to grow our population regionally, but also downtown is we need uh, those, uh, we need more folks there. 
uh, kind of the after five, but people living downtown and just this, um, you know, just this week, um, we had a couple ribbon cuttings, uh, um, the Capitol View apartments, as well as the Metro Place apartments. So uh, we're seeing a real push to get more people living downtown. Um, of course, we want people working, but with COVID, this has presented, uh, um, you know, a challenge, but also opportunity at what our uh, capital city, our downtown is going to look like uh, moving forward. Thanks, Steve, for sharing that. So let's get personal. What do you like most about your work at the Lansing Chamber and what would you change if you could? Wow, that's a good, uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, what was the first one? What do I like about working there? Yeah, what do you like most about the work you do at the Chamber? And then if you could change anything, what would that be? Sure. So, um, you know, I'm, I love people. Um, I love, I mean, I'm in, you know, I'm a lobbyist, I'm a registered lobbyist. So I guess you could call me, I'm in sales. Uh, I, I, I talk for a living. Um, and I just really enjoy every day is a new day. There's a different challenge that arises. And all of the challenges that I really like is how do I connect folks? How do we find solutions? And at the chamber with so many different um, organizations, uh, companies, you know, nonprofits. There's always going to be challenges, but um, you know, how, I guess my thing is, how do I connect all these people? How do I uh, uh, bring people together to have a, a cup of coffee or a beer or whatever it may be, and then from that, um, you know, grows a new industry. Um, you know, it could it could be really anything that. Um, I see on a day-to-day -day basis where it's just, you, you know, you're connecting people uh, at so many different levels. And I, I think that that's the best thing I love about it. It's also just looking at, um, again, I, it sounds weird to say, I mean, I guess I like challenges and there's a lot of challenges going on right now, but there's also, uh, we have so many awesome people uh, that are members at the chamber, but there's a lot of non-members too. And I think COVID really uh, kind of going through this and yeah, for everybody, uh, we all had different, um, different journeys, uh, but I thought the biggest thing uh, really positive is it really did show that um, how important a chamber is because there are so many different people uh, in so many different areas uh, within our region that needed help, that wanted to help people. So how could we bring them together? So at the, I guess at the end of the day, I just love all sorts of different people. I love meeting people. I love helping people. I love having friendships with folks and going out and doing whatever we got to do just to have fun. And uh, that's probably the one thing that I just love about the chamber. And before I even came to the chamber, I mean, I knew what a chamber was, uh, but I didn't really understand uh, um, the power of it and really those relationships that uh, you build, um, you know, working at the chamber, but also if you're a member or whatever, you know, go to an event program, whatever it may be, you really get to build some really lasting uh, relationships and get to meet some really cool people um, throughout our community. So you talked about your journey and you've had a really interesting background. My question for you is what would you tell 20 year old Steve? Oh man. <laughs> and what advice would you give him for the lessons you you've learned? <laughs> 
Remember him? Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to remember him, but there was a lot of nights at Rick's. Uh, so I, I don't know if I can remember it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know what? That is a great question. Um, you know, the thing that I probably would tell, a, I don't even know what I would tell myself at 20, but you know, at the time I was, uh, <clears throat> and I still am, you know, fast pace. Uh, what I've been really trying to work on for myself is how can I be an active listener and also ask really good questions. Uh, probably before I was just shooting from the hip, you know, trying to, uh, to make it. Um, I remember it when, yeah, I was, I was 20 years old working for Congressman uh, Mike Rogers, a former Congressman of uh, Michigan's eighth congressional. And I was on his uh, campaign. I was a field director. So I represent, or I, I kind of was in charge of uh, um, Ingham County, Clinton County and Shiawassee. But there were a lot of times when, you know, you're just moving quick and not, uh, taking a time to pause and really um, ask really, you know, good questions, but also when you ask those questions to actually listen and kind of take that in and, uh, you know, pause and, and, and respond uh, rather than uh, react. So there's probably a lot I would tell myself, but that would be the one thing is that I've really been working on is how can I be an active listener and also ask really good questions. Well, you know, the next question obviously is, you know, who do you admire? Who do, whose respect, um, you know, do, do you, do you, do you um, pay and, and who's inspired you over time? Man, good question. So, um, you know, for me, my, my dad, you know, my dad was a big uh, influence in my life. Um, he passed away almost it's coming up 12, 12 years now. Uh, but my dad was a, um, just a, just a great guy, a hard worker came from the West side of the state. Uh, he was a walk on at Michigan state uh, university on their football team. And uh, you know, just the, just the greatest, he, he's just a great teacher. Um you know, we lost him uh, obviously way too young, but I feel for my, my younger siblings, you know, I was 26 when he passed away and I have a lot of siblings and I got nephews and they just didn't get a chance to have kind of that same relationship when you're, when you're starting out in your career. My dad was in business. Um, he was in the insurance um, industry. Uh, he also uh, owned uh, some properties in East Lansing and Lansing. Um, but he definitely is uh, one of those uh, role models uh, for me that I that I hang on to him uh, in my heart every day. I wear his wedding ring and I wear his uh, his class, uh, his football ring uh, from Michigan State. So, yeah, when you see me with the ring, I definitely didn't get that that gene from my dad of the football um, or my grandfather, uh, 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 Louis Jappinga, who played at Hope College. But uh, my dad definitely, and you know, there's a couple others that come to mind. Uh, Dan Farhat, uh, he owned the Farhat Group, it's Capital Strategies Group, but uh, multi-client lobbyist in town. He was one of my dad's really good friends. He took me in when I was 22 uh, to start uh, lobbying at his firm. He took he took a chance on me. I was there for five years, but Dano uh, Farhat has been uh, a huge role model. And then uh, Scott Hummel, uh, he's a former uh, lawmaker. Uh, he represented Clinton County, but I met Scott uh, back when I was 18, when he was in the state house and I was a, a, a house page. And for those that may not know what a house page is, <laughs> my job was to get popcorn for everybody and, you know, 
hand notes from lobbyists to lawmakers and do that stuff. But Scott Hummel just played golf with them the other day, uh, a true mentor. And, and these individuals have just been, uh, they have had a lot of patience with me uh, throughout the years. I think I kind of just mentioned that, you know, what I, what would I would tell 20 year old Steve is more to listen and ask really good questions. Uh, but uh, besides those, uh, those individuals, you know, I read a ton of books uh, but those are those are kind of the, the folks I really look to. There's probably a couple others, but it's so important. This is why I'm doing some work with uh, big brothers and big sisters. You know, those those mentors that, you know, for me, I, I'm very lucky. I had a, an amazing father and other mentors that kind of stepped in when he was gone. But there's not everybody that may be uh, lucky as I am. And, you know, how can we continue to make sure that uh, you know, that young person has somebody that can step in if they need that to just be a good mentor and help them on their journey in life. Steve, thanks for sharing that. So I have a completely random question that really has nothing to do with our discussion here today. If you were on a deserted island, what two items would you want to have with you? Only two. Oh my gosh, Teddy, that's a... <laughs> I'm thinking of like a lot more than two. Um, I would have uh, the Bible. Uh, that would be my uh, number one. Um, and then I would probably have uh, uh, water. And then I would try to figure it out from there. But uh, I watched, I used to watch a lot of Survivor. So I could try to figure out, depending on that island, how to survive it. But those would probably be the two is uh, the, uh, the Bible uh, as well as uh, some, you know, I don't know, everlasting water. I don't know where we would get it, but, uh, and then I would try to figure it out. But man, that's a, that's such a, it's a great question. Uh, I'm glad you didn't ask me if I won the lottery, what I, what I <laughs> would want, because it would probably be totally different uh, uh, response. But uh, yeah, that's tough, man. Well, Steve, I'll say when I was uh, prepping the show with Lisa, I said you were going to say your Bible I was right about that one, but I thought you were either going to say your wife or your dog would be the second. Oh, choice. well, hopefully. <laughs> so the dogs are listening to me right now. So I apologize <laughs> to both Charlie and George. And hopefully my wife, Catherine, doesn't listen to this segment of the, uh, of uh, of this podcast. But uh, yeah. Oh, man, I'm in trouble. <laughs> well, Steve, you've survived, obviously, and you've thrived. Um which leads me to my next question. Where, where do we see you going in the next three years? You know what, Lisa, usually people say, what are you going to do in the next five? So three years is interesting, but um, you know what? I'm, I'm where it's a great question that we probably all ask ourselves like, right. And, and um, I'm for, for me, I'm where I'm supposed to be right now. Right. I mean, there's been opportunities, uh, you know, at the chamber, other jobs. Obviously, I've had other jobs besides the chamber where doors open. Sometimes they close. Um, but for now, um, I was where I was meant to be. There was a you know, I had an opportunity before uh, COVID hit. Didn't you know, didn't work out, you know, had great conversations. Again, I have a great relationship uh, with with my boss, Tim Damon. And you know what? COVID hit. We have a really young staff, um, you know, just three people on my, my team alone. Uh, they haven't, you know, before COVID, you know, less than a year at the chamber. So, you know, everything happens. Uh, I know it's, you know, kind of whatever goofy to say everything happens for a reason, but I do feel that 
I'm where I'm supposed to be. Um, and, uh, you know, the next three years, I think there's going to be a lot going on um, here. I'm sure there's going to be opportunities, but um, I wish I had a better answer than I just feeling good where I'm at. Um, I'm here talking to you great people this morning, and this is where I'm at today. Well, I want to thank you, Steve, for joining us today on the podcast. We really have enjoyed our conversation, and we look forward to seeing you on a future podcast. And you can find out more about Steve, which I'm sure you all want to do, at tlrealtalk.com. Yeah, Steve, I want to echo uh, Lisa's appreciation for you being here. And thanks again, everyone, for joining us on another episode of Real Talk with Teddy and Lisa. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Remember, no matter where life's journey takes you, it's always a great time to grab a cup of coffee, some hot tea, or a martini, and let's keep it real. Mm -hmm.